Uh, today I'm talking about um, our sermon series is called Answers, Investigating Life's Questions, and we live in a world um, full of questions. For some reason I'm ringing, Jody, could you take the channel one and just turn it down just a tad or a tid? There you go. Can you still hear me back there? Yeah, you okay? All right, good. I'll move it over here just a little bit. There we go. Okay, so uh, today I'm going to be talking about God and atheism. What does God think about atheism? And um, maybe you um, were an atheist before, um, or maybe you're an atheist now. Now, You don't believe in God, or you don't see the evidence that there is for God. Um, uh, Or you're, and we're going to talk about that today. And next week, um, I'm going to be talking about God and science. And I think many Christians believe that there really All the evidence is kind of that there is no God, but there's this hopeful people that are just kind of hoping there's a God, and so they're kind of skewing the evidence, like we don't really believe what the scientific community says, we just believe our little world, and God made it, and so that's it. And um, and that's why I'm going to look at some real evidence. I'm going to go through the fossil record, I'm going to talk about carbon dating, helium uh, dating, I'll see if I can get to all of those, and then I'm going to look at the DNA evidence, um, in short, probably in summary, uh, but know that all these arguments that I'll be bringing up can be talked about in depth. And if there's, there's websites like Talk Origins where atheists and Christians go back and forth on these um, evidences. And then you can see for yourself um, if there's more evidence uh, for one than the other. Um, does it point to um, some kind of... Um, a random chance acting on natural selection or natural selection acting on random mutation that we came from some primordial soup um, and that the whole um, universe came into from some kind of Big Bang cosmology, you know, where we have just all of a sudden things coming into existence from some maybe quantum fluctuation out there that, or some other cosmic universe that we don't know, but it, we're coming from some other universe. Um, and so we're going to talk about that, and I'll go into more detail. Today, I'm going, to be, I'm going to really focus on two arguments. One is, I'm going to touch on it the most time, called the cosmological argument for the existence of God. And um, it's called the Kalam argument, and I'm going to tailor it to not only just God existing, but the Christian God. It's a, 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 basically an argument for the existence of God, for the proof of the existence of God. And it uses general principles of logic and the laws of cause and effect. And it's a simple argument. It's in, it hasn't been refuted. Um, it's a very strong argument. And then I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to start off with what does God think about atheism? Like, does God know he exists? Right? And, and, and what, how does he talk about atheists, and what does he, uh, how does he think that we should handle them and respond to them, and how does he respond to them, and does he feel like he needs to answer them, um, or is it the other way around? Uh, so we'll be talking about that. So if you have, and next week I'm hoping uh, to have time for questions and answers. Uh, so if you have certain questions about some of those things that I just mentioned, the DNA, or uh, if I have time, I'll, I'll call, cover the problem of evil. Um, you know, why is there evil in the world? Um, if there is a God, and if there is a God, why are there atheists in the world? Um, that there shouldn't, shouldn't be. So let's, uh, Lord, I pray that you make these scriptures come to life. And I, I pray that there, I know that this is a complicated subject um, if you're new to it. So I, I just pray, Lord, that those who are new to it would just get the, uh, maybe a brief understanding, Lord, that there is plenty of evidence here, Lord, we could talk for hours and days and weeks and years about these topics, and we do. Lord, but we want to just give a, a summary, so help my words be concise and help me get to the important parts, Lord. And um, I pray that the scriptures would not only just encourage us on how to speak to atheists, but also encourage our own hearts, Lord, to recognize that you're the God that lives. You're the God that is alive in us. So I ask for that wisdom and revelation in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? So this morning, I had a lot of comments from people afterwards when it was complicated, but it was good. And so you're going to get a little bit of that, a little bit of complication. It's good. But if you want me to present, and you do, present you an argument for the existence of God from a logical scientific background, 
then you have to understand that a good sound argument is going to have some logic, which is going to mean there's some premises, some presuppositions. There's going to be some answers that you have to, conclusions that, that have to be drawn in a, in a systematic way to make the argument tight. And these are arguments that I, not that I've invented, but a few of them I've tweaked to my own desire here. Let's start with number one. What is atheism? Okay. We know that God, believing in him, is theism. We believe in him. It's, theism is a little bit more than deism. Deism is a belief in a God, but maybe a general God that just sort of created everything. Theism says not only that I believe in God, but I believe that I can know this God, that I can personally know him, and I think I know his name, and I think I know what he's like. That's theism. And we as Christians uh, believe that we know this God. We believe that we don't believe that we have all knowledge. We don't necessarily believe that we can trust in all our senses, you know, the five senses that we can trust them, but we trust that there is a God who has all knowledge and that he is able to reveal to us who he is. And we believe that he's created an ordered universe that we can trust, that all of a sudden gravity isn't going to change and I'm going to shoot up into the air and get stuck, you know, in an electromagnetic field somewhere and then get tossed into space. Um, There's a certain trust that I have that God has my life in his hands. Um, I don't believe I'm a random accident, um, that, that somehow evolution has just tweaked a few cells, which tweaked a few more cells, which tweaked a few more cells, that somehow just became more sophisticated, became more ordered, and created more sophistication. I don't believe that system exists, okay? And I'm going to demonstrate that next week. Um, from, from a scientific. It's called a method of multiple competing hypothesis. It's the way Lyell and Darwin and, and his predecessors analyzed things to see if they were true or not. And then we have to look at empirical evidence. You can't just say evolution did it. Well, how did it do it? Well, we got the evolution wand and we waved it over. And then when the evolution went through mitosis and the, the cell became another cell, it became more sophisticated. And it became more sophisticated. And then those that didn't have that sophistication, they died off. And the ones with the right cells lived. And eventually we got us. I mean, we had nothing, no universe. But nothing made it. Well, it's a quantum fluctuation somewhere out there. It's some transcendent cosmic thing that somehow made it that we don't know. But we know it's an atheist answer. There was nothing here. And all of a sudden there was something in here. And that's how we got here. Okay. I mean, and then you got to write, it's, it's, to me, it reminds me of the flat, flat earth maps, if you've ever seen those, you know, from the early centuries. They, they, they made maps of the flat earth, and they, they're little maps, and if you type it in Google, flat earth maps, they get bigger and bigger, and through the centuries, they get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then everybody in all the world, you ask them, how is the earth? And they go, it's flat. And then someone goes, no, it's round. I read in the scriptures. It's right here. It's spherical. And they go, come on. You know how much scientific evidence is behind the flat earth? There's dragons out there. (laughs) Right? And all of a sudden, you get these early Christians like Galileo and Newton and, you know, Copernicus that are basically looking going, hey, we think the, the universe is working in a different way. Right? You get the laws of planetary motion and you get the study of the eye and um, you know, you get some of these great scientists, and then all of a sudden you get Darwin, who, who looks at the cell. It's just basically a piece of cytoplasm or protoplasm, and that's all we know about it. And he says, yeah, I think it's just replicating, and the ones that are good keep going. Well, now we can look in that cell, and we see the mechanisms that are in there that are incredibly sophisticated. One cell is equal to our galaxy as far as the sophistication. How much genetic code is put in there? You know, the sophistication of that code. And, and I'm going to talk in detail so you'll see that there is no easy scientific answer to say that these things evolved. And I think we can prove this from an intelligent design argument. I think it's irrefutable. And then you have to ask yourself, why are the atheists, why does the atheist, you know, exist? Well, we're going to look at that. Let's look at the terms. What is atheism? Atheism comes from the word theism, the word a before it, no, 
theism. There is no God, no theo, no theo, no God. There is no God. Now, most atheists, there are a few, but most of them don't say, you know, because it's basically a universal negative. You have to have all knowledge of all things to say that there's no God. In other words, have you been to Galaxy Beta 73? No. Well, I think behind that third moon by the 17th planet, there's God. He's right there. No, but I know there's no God. Well, you can't know a universal negative. So most of the time, atheists kind of aim their things at, they say, I'm a little atheist, like I don't see the evidence for God, but I'll give an A, a big A atheist, to a certain religion. I'll say the Christian God doesn't exist. I don't believe he exists. And here's the reasons why, and they give some reasons. Like they, they might look at, uh, you know, I think this Bible contradicts itself, and they'll look for phrases um, that they, they, it looks like contradictions. And it, for me to address all those would take a year, you know, in ways of answering these. And, and I've done it in my classes where I've taken like the top 10 or 20 and just refuted them. But most of the time when you're in a debate, all, they, all you have to say is, there's contradictions in the Bible, so I don't need to believe. So can I keep getting stoned? Yeah, there's no God. You can, you can do whatever you want. You know, it's, it's a justification to me that you can stay God yourself. Because if there is no God, then ultimately you are God. And since you are a product, um, because there's nobody over you, you are your own master. And since you come from random mutation, you're a bunch of chemical processes, you don't really have a free will. You're just made of chemicals, and you're just responding like your chemicals think they should. In fact, you can't trust your reason because your reasoning is just made up of chemicals, and you don't know if those chemicals are reliable. They might mess up. And then the next thing you know, you, you, you might be in an insane asylum right now just imagining you're here at church, right? You can't trust your reasoning, Right? I mean, that, that's kind of how it is, and it's kind of like, well, I trust my five senses. Yeah, but you don't know. When you look, like I see that speaker there, but you, you don't know if that reality with what you're perceiving in that speaker ultimately actually is there. This is the modern atheism. Now, the problem is, is how many know that you can know things, right? And we trust God because God describes his universe. He describes his ways. And we say, well, how do we know Scripture's true and all that? Because we know that God himself is perfect who can reveal it to us. Amen? Amen? So the agnostic then, it doesn't say that there is no God. He says that you can't know, agnostic or knowledge or knowing, that there isn't enough knowledge. I don't know if there's a God. Now, most of the agnostics that I know, because I was raised basically an atheist and uh, a soft atheist and hard agnostic, is I don't know if there's a God and I haven't seen him. Or I, I, I can't know if there's a God. Like I can't know if there is one because I don't have any knowledge. In fact, the, you know, the atheist says, you can't know anything for sure. Well, do you know that? That you can't know anything? Well, that I know. So you just refuted your own argument. You know what I mean? No, it's true. All truth is relative. Is that absolutely true? Or is that just relative to you? You know what I mean? Well, it's relative to me, like how I feel about things, how I know things. Like my knowledge is totally independent. As if knowledge came into existence when your brain came into existence. Think of the arrogance. Think of the ant that would say that. And in some sense, how many know we're like ants to God? Right? The, the, the fine cedars of Lebanon, the fine wood of Lebanon is like nothing. It's like a, just a bunch of twigs to God. God's pretty big. I don't know how tall he is, but he's bigger than Shaq. <laughs> if we saw a life-size poster of who God is, all his power, it would blow you away. You'd, we'd be embarrassed by our arrogance, don't you think? We, we'd, we'd recognize that so much. So any, anyway, um, you know, so what is atheism? No God. Agnosticism, I don't know, and I can't know if there's God. And let's look, I want to take a look at God's perspective to start off with. Like when God's looking at the atheist, what's he thinking of them? It's like he's thinking to himself, wow, this guy does, just not, doesn't believe in God. I have to show him. Is that true? Okay, and, and let's go. So number two here, and, I, and I'm going to start off with just saying this obvious statement. 
But God does believe in God. Like God, when you're talking to the atheist, God knows that he exists, that he exists himself. Okay? And this is number two. He really believes that the atheist knows that God exists too. That his creation has made it plain. When I was an atheist and I was tripping out, I was a huge pothead and and druggie. And I would be tripping out and just going, man, I go, I wonder where we came from. I'd always come to this conclusion, there's no way we came from nothing. This is too incredible. Did you ever think that? Like it's too incredible. The universe is too vast. You know, the simple mechanism of mitosis and stuff like that without an intelligent agent is ridiculous. Okay, that it's forming new body plans and all that stuff. So look at this scripture. This is just one, and there are dozens like this, but this is one most commonly used. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, when you think about this, how is godless and wickedness being confronted by God? Listen, this guy who's doing the shooting right now, do you think he's going to get away with this? No, eventually, whether it's be here or whether it be in the afterlife, you're going to face the consequences. Now, how many know that God's grace is even bigger than that? It, it really is. But it doesn't matter. If the, he, the, we suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, in this argument in Romans, I'm not gonna, I can't do a Romans class here, but I'll give you a summary. Romans 1 basically says, come on, you know, you're denying the existence of God. You're serving created things rather than the creator. Romans 2 is the Jews going, yeah, you're right. The Gentiles do that. That's what they do, right? Isn't that how it always is? That's what the other people are doing. That's what this guy's doing right now. And Draper, he's killing people off, but I'm not like that. But listen, we all have evil in us, do we not? And so Paul then makes the case. He says, you know what? Are we any better? No, we're just like him. So we have to understand that the human depravity isn't just, you know, certain people who are suppressing the truth. It is all the people. And, but, but this one is making this clear. It says, since what may be known about God, can everyone say, is plain. It's plain. It's obvious. It's plain to them because God has made it plain to them. God is saying that the creation declares that it needs a creator. It's the intelligent design argument. It's not just the law of cause and effect, what's the original cause. But we're saying, if things look designed, maybe there's a designer. Guys like Richard Dawkins say, no, it's, it looks like it's designed, but it's actually the mechanism of natural selection that makes it look like it's designing. We're going to refute that. But this is, God believes in himself. Okay, He says, I am God, there is no other. God says, atheists don't exist. That's the next one here. Romans 1.20, it just continues. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. Now remember, this is God's perspective. God is communicating to you. He say, Paul is saying, listen, God's qualities that are invisible, the things that he sustains, the way he sustains gravity, and the way that the um, cosmological world interacts with each other in a perfect way, the way that the axis of the earth if just a little bit off, the universe can't exist. If the expansion rate of the universe would just decrease one one-thousandth of one-thousandth of one-thousandth percent, you would, not, you would have no universe. If the gravitational uh, force was different than anything, um, you know, Newton's inverse square law, if it was off just a bit, we'd have no universe. And here we have all this evidence. And he says, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. Answer, so that men are without excuse. Like famous atheists like Hume. They're not going to be able to go in the end and go, you didn't give me enough evidence. Because God will open their eyes without their suppression of the truth. And boom, it'll open up and they will see that the declaration of God is everywhere. That this universe was not made by nothing. It was made by a God that's all-powerful. No, it's made by no power. It's made by a personal God. No, it's an impersonal force. It has order and priorities and structure. It's random and it's just came together. 
It's got a design. No, it's not designed. It's just doing its own and creating these incredible structures. You just need enough time and then it'll make incredible structures. Isn't that the argument? How many say personal? How many say powerful? Well, this is the God of the Bible who describes himself that way. We don't have an impersonal, non-existent. I think something made it. I think nothing made it. Wow, what a great argument. You had me convinced now. So how does this nothing work? Well, we don't know exactly where the electrons are. Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. You can't, oh, well, that explains it. I, I like the joke I heard from a debater, you know, where he says, you know, things come out of nothing, and we go to O.J.'s trial or some murderer's trial, or, you know, and, and the guy, you know, they're saying, well, was he there? Was John Smith there at the murder? Yeah, he was there. Did he have the gun? Yeah, he had the gun. So defense, what's your answer? Well, I'm telling you, there was a quantum fluctuation, and this guy just appeared out of nothing. And it was hydrogen and oxygen and layers of water and then skin and bones appeared. He had the gun. He made the shot, but it wasn't him. Oh, okay. Well, that explains it. No, if the evidence is there, chances are everything follows. How many say amen to that? Okay. Uh, I, I want to say this too real quickly. Uh, put it on the next one here. God sees every person. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? This is the Romans one I just said earlier where we said, oh, they don't believe in God. And the Jews go, yeah, that's right. They don't believe in God. And, and they don't follow God. They don't seek after God. And then the Jews go, yeah, that's right. And then Paul says, hey, we're not any better. And here's his answer. What shall we conclude again? I, I mentioned this last week. Are we any better? Not at all. We've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. How many here are sinners? Raise your hand. Oh, there they are, all the sinners. I knew I'd find them at church. (laughs) As it is written, there is no one righteous. Everyone say, no one. No one. There's not even one. There is no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. Can you say, no one? one. See, and, and I'm telling you, I talk to Christians all the time, and they go, yeah, there is. Why should I believe you over the word of God? There's no one who seeks after God. There's no one righteous. Oh, yeah, there is, man. That celebrity builds houses. Well, then he's righteous. A righteous act does not make you righteous. I've helped old ladies down the street, and I'm a still, I still have evil in within me. Right? How many admit you got some evil? Anyone here have greed lately? And has anyone lusted in the last month? All the men are going, hey, dude, do not look at me, dude. No eye contact. No eye contact. Can you imagine the God that has no lust? Don't you want to be like him? You know, purity. God, God can do that in our hearts. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Can everybody say not even one? Their throat open graves. He gives this description about the sinners. And then he describes salvation. So God had to send his own righteousness. So he manifested himself, sent his own son. And his son came and died for us. Now, you know where this scripture comes from? Put on the next slide. Let me tell you where it comes from. It comes from Psalm 14. Also Psalm 53, but 14. Psalm 53 and 14 are almost identical, but they take a different turn. It says, the fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. So let's be just like the people in the Bible and go, it's them. (laughs) Right? It's them that don't believe. But look what he says. They, they're corrupt. Their deeds are evil. There is no one who what? The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of man to see if there are anyone who understands. Is there anyone who understands? No. Any who seek God, all have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good. Can everyone say, not even one? Not even one. Isn't this scripture amazing? Because here you say it, you look at it toward the atheist. He doesn't believe in God. What a fool. But he's really applying it to us all, is he not? We are the ones. Listen, and then in the end, man must answer to God. The next one, the next slide. Not God answer to man. And I love how Job 
gets challenged by the Lord. He says, brace yourself like a man. Can you imagine Job? He's got all kinds of heartache. He's probably standing against some cliff in the rock. And all of a sudden, the voice comes back at him. And the breath of God is probably moving him back against a rock. And God goes, hey, brace yourself like a man. How many know, you know, it's like a man's man, right? Like, you know, I consider myself a man's man. You know, I can go toe-to-toe. I feel pretty confident, maybe too confident. But you know what? When you stand face-to-face with God, that's intimidating. Brace yourself like a man, Job. Eek! (laughs) Help! I can't do it that high, but... He says, I'll question you and you shall answer me. And then he just lays out things. Because we look at the fossil record and go, oh, look at these fossils, you know? One, this one became this, and then as it goes up, it gets more complicated. I love how the evolutionists paint that picture. But they don't tell you that there are sponge embryos and trilobites with full compound lens-focusing eyes at the bottom layers that are not, and these body plans that just show up. Oh, there's a transitional form. You've got to account for a lot of body plans, pal, to show your evolutionary picture. But God says, where were you when I did it, basically? Where were you when I did it? You know, you around? Well, we studied the earth. We think we have a big picture. Listen, we dump your house and turn it upside down with a bulldozer. You have no idea what went on in your house. You have small pictures of what goes on. But if God is true, then the fossil record should match what God says in the Bible, not what the evolutionists say. Amen? We do not need to be afraid of the evidence. Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. You know, who stretched a measuring line? God says, I built the heavens and the earth. Tell me how you did it. Tell me how it works. You think the Big Bang is a sound answer? It is a patchwork answer. You know, maybe, these, maybe this came into existence. Well, but it has to be stretched out. Okay, yeah, it inflated. And then what? Um, well, then maybe, well, because we see this cosmic radiation, maybe there was kind of a universal explosion at all places at the same time. And, and maybe, well, that's our best guess so far. But there are thousands of articles in the literature that say, this couldn't have happened because of this. Ah, But it's our best shot. I'll give you one. God created the heavens and the earth. Right? God created the heavens and the earth. Right? Created, there's the energy. Right? The heavens, right? You know, there is, is the matter, the earth, the time, the space. Okay, number three. So how do we share? How many want to get some ideas about how to share and claim atheism? Now, how many want to share Christ with atheism? Let me give you a couple things. First of all, letter A, this is a simple one. Listen, simple spirit-led testimony and defense. Defense, apologia, is defense or an answer or a response. Give them a response. And the scripture here, 1 Peter 3.15 says, to the hope that's within you. You don't have to answer every scientific answer to be able to share it with an atheist. Okay? Most of them are like I was. And Jody is the one who led me to Christ. And what, what struck me about her is she, was, she carried the love of the gospel that she was sharing. And she was convinced of it. And she wasn't condescending to me. She listened to my arguments and what I had to say and then, and then communicated with them. And she didn't have every answer, but she kept pointing me to God. And, and I've, I've led, led quite a few atheists to the Lord, and sometimes it's just a little consistency. They want to know that you care about them, and, and, but, the, but they want real answers. They don't want just God did it. Sometimes... People are looking for a little more sophistication. It says, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. In other words, set yourself up. God, you're with me. Okay? Be prepared. Can everyone say, be prepared? Be prepared. Get ready. Why? Ask yourself all the time, what is God doing in me? Why is this hope in me so awesome? Why is this good news? Because I'm forgiven. I I, I see Christians that don't realize they're forgiven. And they go, I never share the gospel. Of course you don't. Because you don't even feel forgiven yourself. What are you going to share with somebody? Hey, how you doing? I want to tell you the good news. What is it? Well, I don't feel forgiven, and you won't either. <coughs> Jesus died, but I'm not sure for everything, and I think I'm still hosed. You know? Want to come to church? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I can have the same insecurity you do. 
Seriously, you have to embrace the gospel. Amen? Um, and, and it says, give, you have to give an answer to everyone who asks you. And there are people who ask you, and you ask God to have people ask you to give their reason for the hope that you have. Okay? And how beautiful are the feet to bring good news. Spirit-led testimony. Any one of you can share Christ. If you have an atheist friend who has questions that they want answered, I will make my time available to anyone who has questions. But don't try to hook me up with someone who doesn't care and isn't looking and, you know what I mean? Just go, hey, just try to make sense. Just ask the person. Hey, say, I have a friend or a pastor who says he'll answer any of your questions. And I'm telling you, I will take on any question that they have. Not that I know everything, but I can find out everything. Everything that they're out there is in the literature. And then we can discuss it. And I'm convinced, and I've grown convinced over the years... That God's word is true. And I, the more I've looked at the scientific evidence, the more convinced I've gotten. And I'm not a stupid idiot. In other words, I'm not just, you know, kind of randomly sort of looking at stuff, going, yeah, it's kind of cool. I'm a fanatic. Okay? I'm into it. And I come from an atheistic background. So I understand usually the philosophy and the paradigms of why the questions are being asked. And some of them are legitimate. Okay. I'm going to just talk to this one super quick because I'm going to cover it later uh, in, in some of the culture ones. But pre, the second one is presuppositional uh, apologetics. And this is, really comes from the fact of that all knowledge begins with God. Okay, so this person who, if you're trying to share faith, it's a little more complicated to get started this way, but it's good to have in your repertoire. And I'll give you the scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. So all knowledge comes from God. So you can literally tell somebody, listen, I'm going to prove to you that all the knowledge that you have, that you don't have any until you start with God. Well, yeah, I can. Well, how, how do you? So tell me something that you know for sure. Well, I know that you're standing right there. Well, how do you know that? You, your, your brain functions could be malfunctioning. You live in a world that's not ordered, right? Your world is just random chance and mutation. You're just chemicals. How do you know your chemicals aren't fooling you? Well, I guess I don't know. Okay, so you don't know anything still. (laughs) Okay, well, I know that I don't know anything. Well, you seem to know that, so that rules that out. Right? And you keep going down, down this track that they go, well, I trust my five senses or I trust my, my feelings or whatever. But bottom line is you can't trust anything. And the only reason we can is because we start with God. And Colossians 2.2 2 says, The mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So all the knowledge is in God and all the knowledge is found in Christ. Now let me just say, the problem with this kind of arguing, it's good and it has its place. Um, but it, it does something for some of you that are, this is more for people who are doing this all the time. It does a thing called begging the question. That means you're assuming that it's true when you start off with. And so that's the, 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 what, how people sort of confront presuppositional argumentation. There is ways around that, um, but, I, but I can't explain that right now. But if you're interested in that, I'll ask you. Um, but again, the person who's arguing from presuppositions basically says, I presuppose that the final authority, if I go back all the cause and effects, that the lightest cause is God, and God's word is the only thing I can count on. So that's what my authority is, so I argue everything from that authority. So God says, you don't have any knowledge, you don't have any knowledge without God. And then so you, you go forward with that kind of argument. You don't provide evidence to them. Oh, let me prove to you God exists presuppositionalists would say, no, you don't have to. Just like if someone says, I don't believe in words. Well, let me show you some words and prove it to you. No, you know that what they're saying is false. It's obvious that there are words, right? So why, the question you ask yourself is, why is this person suppressing the knowledge of words, right? And, and I've had arguments with people like that. I don't believe in words, okay? I don't believe in logic. Then you just go, mm, dog, cat, broom, handle what well you don't believe in logic so i can just put my words in any order that you want they don't matter right you don't believe in a logical order right and plus your truth is relative to you and it's not your order of words doesn't relate to my order of words 
You know what I mean? And you can go down this and become silly and ad nauseum, but, but, but there's a point there, and this is, t- is a little bit longer to learn. I think this is a class that you take, but I'll let you know that it's there, okay? And let's go to letter C, and this is where I'll spend today so I can go into science next week, and I'm sorry that these are a little complicated, but this is evidentiary. Can you everyone say that, evidentiary? This means we're, we're going to give you evidence. We're going to show you evidence that God exists. You know, why are we here? Why is there a universe? Why do we have purpose logic? And then we say that God created everything. And this first one, this is where I'll spend my time. I've got about eight or nine minutes. I'll do the cosmological argument, okay? Go ahead and bring up the cosmological argument there. There you go. So this is kind of what a cosmological argument. It's also called the Kalam argument. It's basically saying we had this effect that here we are, we exist. And so the question is, why are we here? You know, and so someone says, you know, where, where do trees come from? And then someone says, from seeds. Okay. But where do the seeds come from? Uh, seeds come from the ground. Okay. Where does the ground come from? And eventually, where do you end up? Where is God? Right? Any argument. So I ask any of you, where does this come from? You go this. And eventually, you have to come back. You go, I don't know where it comes from. So even if you were an evolutionist, you say, the ground. Where the ground from? It came from a star explosion. Where did the star explosion come from? It came from this helium and hydrogen that was interacting with itself in the universe. Where did the helium and hydrogen come from? Well, it came from a singularity. Where did that came from? Well, there's a Planck time that's a time, but it's not really a time, but it's imaginary time. And then you go, okay, thank you, Stephen Hawking, you know what I mean, for creating imaginary time that doesn't exist, but it exists in your mind, so that's good enough. And so let's use that and pretend like that works, right? And then we say, okay, so eventually you get some cause and go, where did that come from? We don't know, but, but it would have to have some kind of force, maybe from, you know, we don't understand how electrons work. Maybe it's some force from some invisible electron that somehow came into power. Can you demonstrate that? No, but it it must be that. It has to be an atheistic answer. You know, it has to be. Okay, well, let's, the the cosmological argument is an argument from modern science. So let's take everything that modern science believes, Big Bang cosmology, and let's work back to a Big Bang cosmology, to a law of cause and effect, all the way back, What's the first, where does the first cause, okay? So precursor, let's start with the precursor there, the next one, okay? And you tell me if you agree with these. Tell me when the premise is wrong or if you think that my statement is wrong. Otherwise, this proof text of of thoughts works all the way down. Let's start off with letter A, B, and C, kind of a precursor. How many would agree that things exist, right? Now, if I'm an atheist, I can go, I don't know if they exist, Maybe I'm imagining in my mind, well, at least your mind thing exists, so something exists. Things exist. How many say yes? Okay. It's possible for those things not to exist. Is that true? Is it possible for those things not to exist? It's possible for you not to exist, isn't it? Or is it perhaps to be here? You a necessity. You have to be here for life to be. Well, you have to be here to perceive life. But it's possible for you not to to exist. Now, how many agree that that's true? Raise your hand. It's possible for you not to exist or things not to exist. Okay? Letter C. Nothing can cause itself to exist. I I think this is just one of the most fun things to challenge atheism and its absurdity. Um, Because nothing can cause itself to exist. Because it has to exist to cause itself to exist. Right? And that's illogical. How many would agree with this? Where'd that come from? It made itself. Well, the universe supposedly is all natural things. When we talk about spirit and God, we say it's not of the natural order. It's not a created thing. It's not of the universe. It's, we'll make up a word, it's transcendent. God is creating it so he can be imminent, he can touch the creation and make it, but he is not part of it or subject to it. Agreed? Everything in that material universe, nothing can cause itself to exist. Do you agree? Okay. Raise your hand if you agree. Come on, all around this room. Okay, if you disagree, what, why do you disagree? Anybody? Come on, where's your guts? Nothing can cause itself to exist, okay? So, let's get to the cosmological argument, okay? Number one, 
everything that begins to exist must have a cause. Correct? Is that true? And is that cause itself? No, because nothing can cause itself to exist. Do things exist? Nothing can cause itself to exist. Everything that begins, can everyone say begins? Everything that begins to exist in this natural world, everything that begins must have a cause, okay? And if that cause had a beginning, then it must have a cause, correct? Is that true? Raise your hand high if you think that's true, okay? The universe began to exist. Is that true? Yes, there, there were several theories. There's an inflation theory. There's a, um, a kind of a bouncing, you know, the universe existed, then it expanded back, and then it existed, then it expanded back. But that's been refuted as one of Alan Guth's arguments. And then there was the steady state theory, which was Einstein's th- theory and belief until he looked at Hubble's telescope and said, now I know that the universe had a beginning in his Austrian accent. You can find it on YouTube. And he said that because he saw in the light of the galaxies, there was a shift turning red, which means it was moving away from us. All the universe is moving away from us. And the farther it was, the faster it was going. If it was twice as far, it was twice as fast. In other words, here's one, here's the other one. If you go back in time, eventually everything was in one place. Okay? Now, the scientists say, well, it's, maybe it's moving away from everything everywhere. Maybe. But we don't see that evidence. We only know that it's moving away from us. That's what we know. Okay? That's what the evidence points to. Now, this means that the universe and all its mass was at some point at one point. And we call that point a singularity. Okay? And there's time, like Max Planck, Planck time, and they, there's a lot of reasoning that I, I'll probably go over next week a little bit of detail, but it proves that the universe must have had a beginning. Plus, there's another reason why the universe had to have a beginning. There is a set amount of energy in the universe. It's set. That's the amount of energy. That amount of energy is not going to change according to the law of conservation. But the law of entropy says, and these are natural physical laws, that the amount of usable energy, so let's say here's all the universe and now we have this much from here to here is usable. The amount of usable energy in the universe is decreasing. And once an energy will never change, it can never become usable again. So what do we know about the universe? It will end. Okay? We know it has a beginning and we know it has an end or it'll have no energy source. So, which brings me Two, the third one, an infinite regression of causes ultimately has no cause. So someone says, no, the universe has always existed. Well, if it did and it was infinite, then it never started because an infinite cause going back, in other words, we say, well, this is the universe back then. Well, what was it before? Well, even before that, but it has no beginning. Well, then if it has no beginning and guess what? We're here. That means it had a beginning or it never would have got to here. This is called the infinite regression. It's an impossibility. It has to have a beginning, otherwise it doesn't come here. Plus, if it didn't have a beginning, then the energy of the universe would already be gone. Correct? If it was infinitely back, then energy would already be gone. But do we have energy in the universe? Yes, we do. And so you add the law of entropy you add the law of infinite impossibilities, and that's, again, in the natural world. We know that in the immaterial world that there's infinites. Like we can say, give me the biggest number you have, and I can add one to it, and I can add one to it, and I keep adding one to it through infinity. But those aren't real. Those are immaterial. There are immaterial infinites, but there are no physical infinites. It's an impossible Infinite regression. Look up Hilbert's Hotel, and there's other examples that you can find in the science literature. This is not scientific fiction. This is scientific fact. There must be... So, the universe, everything that begins to exist has a what? A cause. The universe began to exist. The universe must have had a cause. 
An infinite regression is impossible because we exist right now. And if the beginning never had a beginning, then it never would have gotten here. And here we are. And the law of entropy and the law of conservation and the law of infinite regression says that it's impossible for us to have lived forever because the universe would already be gone. Therefore, there must be, can everyone say, an uncaused cause. There must be a cause somewhere that's uncaused that caused it. Right? And we know it can't be in the material physical world because then itself would be subject to entropy and all those laws. And it would no longer exist. Right? So... And let me just tell you, if you got, if, and I'm, I'm not doing this to be critical, just to compare. If you come from an LDS background, the God of, of LDS is made up from dusts and things of the universe. There's a flaw in that design because that one would be subject to entropy and would no longer exist. The Hindu, the Vishnas, the same. Okay, So you have the God of the Bible, that's that way. Now, the uncaused cause must be, can everyone say immaterial? He can't be of the material. He has to be immaterial. So we don't know what that looks like, but let's just say it can't be material. Now we have a word, can everyone say spirit? Spirit, where God says, I am not part of the creation. I am spirit. I am something other than that. That's the God of the Bible describing him. It must be immaterial. It has to be uncreated because it has to be uncaused. Otherwise, if it had a beginning, which God says he has no beginning and no end, right? He's the Alpha and the Omega, no beginning, no end, right? And so we says he must be immaterial, he must be uncreated, he must be timeless. And we know that in order for time to exist, we must enter into Einstein's equations of E equals mc squared, which is the time-space equation of general relativity. Right? And I'm going to talk about gravitational time dilation for those who want to look that up um, ahead of time. E is this energy. Mass is there. C squared is that speed of light. Without being in the equation, if you take mass out because there's no mass yet, there's just God, and there's no energy yet, you have no time yet. That's why God says, I am. Not, all right, there I am here. When he enters in the time zone once man's been made, then he is imminent. He makes himself available in that time spot, but he is not subject to it. So he must be immaterial, uncreated, timeless. If there is an uncaused cause, would you think it was powerful or unpowerful? I mean, everything that you see around you, was that made by no power? When you make toast and you have a toaster, does it have power or no power? If you want it dark, dark toast, is it got a lot of power or a little power? So it has to be, and since the power is not in the universe, because the universe hasn't existed, could we say it has all the power that there is? But it's not power driven by the universe or manifest in the universe. Would you say that the universe that we have is ordered? Is it personal or impersonal, do you think? What you see, you know? So there you have it. It has to be personal, some kind of ultimate being. Number six, we call that being God. You know, we could call that being Rudolph if we want to, right? It's Rudolph. But what does Rudolph mean? Nothing. It's just a reindeer with a certain kind of nose, right? No. We call that being God. God represents to mankind. It's its description of something that is bigger or grander above man. And God forbid that there be some kind of being above man because man's so smart. You know what I mean? That's why we have the Big Mac. You know what I mean? Because of man's incredible invention. You know? Listen, the Christian Bible, God of the Bible alone fits this description. That's just just the reality. The Christian God of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? In the beginning. Seven Hebrew letters there. The fullness of God. The seven is that number of completion. Begins right there and finishes in the scriptures. In the beginning, 
right, was the Word. And the Word was with God. He, the Word was the idea. He was the concept. And He was with God. And the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Was. He already was. It's a past imperfect. It means it exists now, but it always was. And it's imperfect. You don't know where to find it. It's in eternity past. And God is also in eternity future. And guess what? Every human being, whether you believe in God or not, are made in the image of God. You have an eternity put in you that will last. You will never not exist. The thing is, will you exist with God or not? So let me give you the free offer of salvation of the God that does exist. And you may think, I don't know if he exists, but he does. And I'm going to read this to you. I'm sending you to the people to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What does that have to do with all the science? Listen, you can have all the science in the world and still be stuck in bitterness, right? That guy who just shot that police officer, he's got a rough road ahead. Do you think it matters whether he thinks... Richard Dawkins is a great scientist or not? I don't think it matters at all. I bet you anything, his rage comes from simple unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, rejection, loneliness, the things that cause death to man. This God who knows everything and has created everything has created a way for you to know him, and that's the plan of salvation. He came in your form, in the way that you manifest yourself as a human. He, God manifested him saying that way. He manifested himself as that human. He was fully God and yet fully man as mankind. And then he took your place. Instead of living the sinful life that we did, he continued to think and be like God. And with that, he was able to bring us perfect redemption, perfect forgiveness. We are forgiven. If you could just imagine how amazing this is is that before God, he loved you in such a way that he would give up his only son. A, a way, and one and only isn't like, it's the only one I got. He's saying, it's the, it's the monogamous is the word in the Greek. It means the only one. The only one that can do this. The only one that's like this. It's just like your image. But yet, it's in the image of God. Why don't you close your eyes? We're going to close with this. I'll have Ira come forward.